so this was just passed on to me this morning, and I, I really want to share it with you. Um, there's an organization called Synths for Kids that is uh, doing a raffle to uh, support victims of the Almeida fire in Oregon. So what you do is you go to senseforkids.com and uh, there's a list of different organizations that you can donate to. If you donate at least $10 to any of those organizations um, and then you email a copy of your receipt to senseforkids at gmail.com, um, you'll be entered a raffle. You could win a Pulsar 23, a Lyra 8, uh, Lyra FX, or a bunch of other stuff, a bunch of stuff from Soma. Um, so yeah, you could be a good person while entering to win some really sweet gear. So uh, yeah, head over to uh, senseforkids.com. There will be a link in the show description. I also just want to take a moment to thank this week's show sponsors, Needham Woodworks, the finest Euro rack cases in the land. Please head over to NeedhamWoodworks.com to learn more about these amazing, amazing pieces of art. They're, they're really pieces of art. Um, also, check out Patchworks, our lovely local synth shop here in Seattle. They have an awesome online store that carries everything from Make Noise to WMD to Forum Mess, After Later Audio, Recovery Effects, AI Synthesis, Mystic Circuits, Schlappy Engineering, Dope Fur, and more um, and if you haven't checked out the three new modules from uh, After Later Audio yet, the, the Steps, Blend, and Tilt, then I highly recommend you get on that. Um, they were All three of those modules were um, absolute essentials in my, uh, my battery-powered synth that I brought to Wyoming. And I'll be talking about that in more detail in a bit. But uh, yeah, these, these three new modules from After Later Audio are absolute CV beasts. Please head over to afterlateraudio.com to learn more about them. This week's episode is brought to you by Synth Booth, an interactive online experience where modular synth makers, musicians, and enthusiasts can connect with their community in a safe and accessible setting. Synthbooth is hosted virtually using an attendee web and mobile application and features panel discussions, educational sessions, a keynote, virtual exhibitor, booths, community chat rooms, and music performances. This will be taking place October 16th through the 18th, and you can get your tickets online right now at synthbooth.com. Suzanne Chiani is going to be there. Bana Hafar is going to be there. And Annie. I mean, a, a whole plethora of amazing performances and amazing manufacturers and speakers. Synthbooth.com for your tickets. And if you're wondering, what is this crazy awesome thing that is going on under Tim's voice? Well, that's just uh, a guitar and the reverb pedal from Empress Effects. I just got it, and I gotta tell you, it's one of the most lush-sounding, versatile reverb pedals I've ever played with. Um, so please visit them online at EmpressEffects.com. Welcome back to another episode of Podular Modcast. My name is Tim Held, and this week I'm very excited to bring to you my conversation with Anna Martinova, a.k.a. Tulpa, a.k.a. Dusha, and the founder of Modular Moon. What is that? Well, you're going to find out really soon here in this conversation. This was one of those talks where I walked away feeling inspired. Um, 
Anna has such an amazing story and has done so much cool stuff. And you, when you just hear about it, it makes you think, wow, human beings can do a lot. I'm a human being. Maybe I could do more. Maybe I can take uh, my destiny into my own hands. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great talk. And we're going to get into that momentarily. But first, I want to share with you what I've been up to creatively lately. Um, I, I've got this kind of pretty pretty robust creative project in the works, and it's kind of two parts. Um, one part Yellowstone and one part uh, just Washington State in general. Um, as you may, may or may not know, I talked a lot about it. it I, I have this this three U, uh, four U setup, my four U IntelliGel case, powered by a Polyend Anywhere. Um, yeah, it's just a little battery-powered synth that I've been bringing with me everywhere, um, including Yellowstone National Park. Um, so my, my, my idea here is I want to go to areas such as Yellowstone and um, do performances with, with beautiful backdrops, but not just have a static shot on the backdrop. I want to film the area for a few days and edit together kind of a, like a short film telling a story of the particular area that I'm in. And, I, and I'm working on that right now with Yellowstone. Um, so hopefully that will be out soon. Hopefully by mid-December, I'm thinking. And I'm thinking it's going to be kind of like a, a short film paired with an EP or album, depending on how much music I end up creating um, on the back end for it. But uh, I can talk about this all day, or I could give you some examples of what you're looking forward to with the Yellowstone stuff. And um, the examples are the practice shoots that I did in Washington before I went to Yellowstone. So as of right now, there are two videos up on my YouTube where I, I kind of did this whole like shoot the surrounding area and shoot a performance and cut together the footage to tell a story. Um, one of them is at the Vashon Island uh, Ferry here in Seattle, and then the other is on the Olympic Peninsula by the ocean. And for that one, I got some really cool footage of some pelicans like diving into the ocean, eating eating fish. Um, so yeah, it's just it's been a lot of fun, and I want to I want to just kind of start getting you guys excited for the Yellowstone stuff because I'm really excited about it, and uh, just kind of yeah build that excitement. Please head over to YouTube and check out these videos. Um, also, today I'm really excited. I released a new EP called remote washington on selfcenterrecords.bandcamp.com and uh yeah it has four different tracks of four different performances that i've done here in washington uh the two that i just mentioned and then there was one i did with this beautiful glacier packed peak behind me um and then the most recent one i went out and camped at uh mount rainier by myself just last week and i shot a bunch of really great footage and um and did a cool performance up there. So hopefully that video will be out by the end of this week, maybe even tonight, depending on how much time I get to work on it. But that EP is there at selfcenterrecords.bandcamp.com. Um, I'd really, really, really appreciate the support. Um, old Papa COVID is making my job schedule really look pretty grim for the next few months. So yeah, if you want to go pick up that EP featuring this song that you hear uh, fading up behind me, I'd greatly appreciate it. So you can get that EP over at selfcenterrecords.bandcamp.com. It's called uh, Remote Washington. Another way you can help keep the LEDs blinking over here at PodMod is uh, sign up for the Patreon over at patreon.com forward slash podular modcast. Um, I appreciate everybody who has helped me out so far, past or present. Um, I'm looking to get a few more of you on by the end of the year. Um, and to entice you, I'm adding more bonus content 
just for you Patreon subscribers, early and bonus content. And some of that bonus content is going to be uploaded very soon. I did some behind the scenes um, filming while I did while I was out at Mount Rainier, kind of showing you my synth and explaining you uh, my process, my, making these patches fireside. Um, and then while I was in Wyoming, I also shot like a lot of practice performances by the fire, you know, just the video and, and the performance that, uh, or the patch that I made for the next day. So I'm going to be uploading that stuff to the Patreon as well. And if you're a subscriber and you would like a download code for the new EP, um, you know, shoot me a DM and we can work something out. So yeah, I really appreciate everybody helping me, um, you know, keeping, helping me to keep these, these episodes coming to you every week. Um, I love doing it. It keeps me sane. It keeps me talking to people in this crazy time and hopefully hearing, uh, you know, two people's conversation helps to keep you all sane. Um, yeah, so I'm going to I'm going to stop rambling here, but please please go check out the new EP over at selfcenterrecords.bandcamp.com. It has this track that you hear right now under me. Um I performed this right by the ocean. Um and the videos on YouTube, links to everything in the show description. Let's get into a demo, a really really quick demo and then talk to Anna because uh like I said in the intro here, she has a great story and I think you're all going to be very inspired. Let's just say that you want to trigger a kick with your voice. The best way to do it would be to get yourself a percussion interface and a percussion interface expander for Uh, so what I'm doing right now is I'm passing my voice into the uh, the input expander via uh, an SM58 microphone going into a quarter-inch input, input, and then I'm uh, bringing the output into a, a clouds or a monsoon. So that's what's giving me the the, uh, the reverb and, and weirdness. Uh, and I'm speaking kind of quietly right now because of the sensitivity down to where my voice is not triggering the gate that is plugged into the entity percussion. Of course, you could use anything. You can use guitar, you can use drums. Uh, I think that was the idea, is to use percussion, uh, percussive instruments to trigger things in your, in your uh, system here. Um, obviously, it's called a percussion interface expander, but because I work in the medium of voice, uh, I thought I would try this out. Um, so I got the envelope. What's cool about this expander is it's got uh, an envelope and the inverse of the envelope output, uh, and it's got a 10 meter ten inverters on it. So let's trigger this kick and turn up the envelope. Let's control it. Harmonic input. Turn the sustain. There's also a little switch here that goes from uh, envelope generation to envelope follower, so I can actually create CV based off of my <laughs> This is a lot of fun, and it's very silly. Um, 
I can't wait to get uh, to know this thing better because it seems like there's so many opportunities to, to uh, create crazy gates and see me! much for uh, for joining me um and you you pronounce your last name uh, martinova yes martinova anna martin martinova yes. okay cool well um we have a lot of stuff to get to today mm -hmm. i think because you're you're doing a lot of really cool stuff and um i think i'll just start with mm -hmm. where did you grow up i grew up in the ussr technically it was uh, soviet union i was born uh -huh. in 1982 and uh, it was beginning of perestroika, so-called uh, change of the whole region. And I was mm -hmm. born in Baltic country. That was uh, back in the days was a part of this of the of Soviet Republic. And uh, so I grew up in Latvia. That is a Baltic seaside city, Riga. And uh, I spent there like most of my beginning years uh, up till 20, 20. I left uh, the country. I was around 28. No, sorry. I was 20, 20, 26. I was 26. I left the country. Okay. Okay, cool. And, and are you in the Netherlands now? I'm in the Netherlands uh, for 11 years already. Uh, okay. I came here. First, I went to Germany and uh, I was for a year studying German language. You know, because the history completely reflects like in our lives, you know. And uh, in my case, it was first the Soviet Union and all these perestroika times, which I remember more or less because I was already, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11, so I could still remember certain parts. And then this freedom came, uh, the country w was liberated, and I, we saw, I saw that as well, I was de developing as a teenager at the time, and, uh, you know, it was of course uh, still uh, a time between, like, shift from one system into another, and in between there was this massive chaos, which probably was way more hard in Russia, uh, in modern Russia, than in Baltic countries, because we were still supported by uh, Europe, because Europe was triggering this, uh, uh, that the US, US, USSR would fall in part, so you know, this politics and stuff. So uh, that was my uh, early teenager times, although I was just, you know, like I had my parent to take care of, I had my cat, my dog, my studying, uh, I, I, you know, I had my band, uh, we were like uh, almost like cranberries at the time, you know, uh -huh. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, that was the time when actually music from the West was just getting into the region. So regarding okay. often I, I, I don't have this big library of artists that a lot of my colleagues at these days can have. And sometimes they ask me, hey, do you know this and that? And I'm like, no. And they're like, how is it possible that you know? And I'm like, dude, I was in Soviet Union. Like, it came way later to all, to us. Like, we, you know, uh -huh. like way later. And so, uh, you know, in that sense, I kind of have this pure mind in a way, I guess, pure library, you know, that but uh -huh. I wouldn't... Yeah, like, of course, I was listening, I don't know, Enigma at that time, Affix Twin, uh, that was like first tapes, somebody from Holland. Actually, funny thing, I later on, I met this person who was at that time, 
so weird how history is functioning. At that time, this person was DJing and also working as a, as a part of diplomatic uh, mission of Holland. And he was bringing uh -huh. tapes to my country and playing this <laughs> techno tapes, you know. And we were kids at that time. We knew nothing. And the, this person I meet 11 years later, no, more than 16 years later, while already living here, being completely integrated into Holland, I meet up this person and he said, hey, do you know that I was bringing to your country this and that music? And I was, no way, <laughs> man, like, how, you know, like, how is it possible? That's so cool. Mm -hmm. and, so yeah. before you're introduced to Western music, mm -hmm. what were, what were some of, what was some of the stuff you were listening to? And did you start, did you get into music to where you wanted to be a musician at a young age or? How did that all work? My my father is a multi-instrumentalist and my mother, she is a singer. And uh, so um, in my family, they have, they have four kids and all the kids had to go to music school. And my, uh, my brother went to violin and like, uh, you know, a sister did uh, piano. And I, I did forte piano as well for four years until the Soviets fell apart. And so I couldn't continue the education because the whole country fell fell in parts and all the teachers, everything went back to Russia. So I had to stop uh, with the, my education. And back in the days, uh, if you go to musical school, it goes like, uh, that was Soviet system. Uh, it goes parallel in, with your normal school. So it's like 12 years of musical education and uh, kids enroll being six, seven years old. And you start from with piano class, you know, simple chords, practicing, then solfeggio. So they really introduce you to through like uh, some compositions that you practice, and then that gets more and more complex. In my case, I, I luckily had four years of that until the country fell apart. And since my father was a, a part of um, army of Russian army, he he was forced to come back. To Russia so basically from that point my musical education stopped and uh, you know politics influence our life incredibly you know and I mm -hmm. learned that lesson very well but uh, yeah yeah it gave me enough of a background to to be uh, and to actually be willing to go into the musical path you know and so for that I'm thankful and uh, also to my parents I guess I, I guess something was passed along through the genes and some things I, <laughs> I, I pick up some things like I, I feel that it's intuitive and often I'm saying, oh, you know, like, okay, my father, he, we didn't have like that long of years of being together, but he still gave me this in a way, you know, so I'm kind of like thankful to his, because he plays multiple instruments, uh, clarinet, flute, uh, Forte piano. He's a conductor, like throughout all his life, and he's educating children right now as well. So, oh, so, cool. So my path is kind. So of you're kind of carrying the torch. You're kind of, you're kind of keeping keeping it going in your family as the, being a multi instrumentalist and and, a, and an educator. Paradoxically, yes, because everything was against yeah. that, you know, including my yeah. family. <laughs> <laughs> the history of the country, you know, my, my sister was always uh -huh. saying, hey, music is a hobby. How can you take it seriously? You have to go study mm -hmm. banking and economics and stuff like that. And I was like, come on, I'm like terrible in math. I want to do music. <laughs> can, can I sing? And, and so, so did but, you did you eventually did you try to have to, did, did you did they talk you into maybe going to college and trying to study something else for a while? And 
Um, that's what happened to me. I, I wanted to do music and then I was kind of made to think that it wasn't practical. So I, I went to college and I was going to get in a real job and then I ended up just coming back to music, you know, when I was 30. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, yes, that's exactly what happened to me as well. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, yeah, my sister, she was, uh, she's, you know, older than me. So of course we perceive it as authority. And at some point she said, no, you have to study something. And I chose uh, public relations. Uh, I went through uh, like all this uh, advertisement technologies, marketing, this kind of thing for for some time and then but I still was having a band and I was still searching mm -hmm. my own ways, you know, and like, yeah, so. Well, and that's good stuff to study if you want to pursue a career in music as well. I'm sure that's helped a little bit. That's true. It totally worked eventually. Like, for instance, also regarding Modular Moon, I can do completely all mm -hmm. the promotional part and I can think through how to build up the label and how to build up a brand. Like, I also was working mm -hmm. for some time of my life in advertisement companies where I was actually doing that, like building up the brand, you know, creating logo and like making sure that they are like established in the market, creating the legend for the company. And so later uh -huh. on, with Modular Moon, of course, it played its role. Like okay, mm -hmm. well, that's cool. I mean, it it it's kind of it's a sad story always when people tell you that you that you can't do the thing that you want to do, but at least you you found a way to still make it serve serve your uh, your actual interests in the end. That's you know, it's it's probably the way you look at that. Like from one side, of course, in life, how. I don't know, it's maybe philosophy task or something, but in a way I've noticed like the more you want something, the more you get like counter, uh, <laughs> you know, test. Yeah. And then mm -hmm. also the more you're pushing on that, it's sort of like, it's like testing you, you know, like, I mean, in the end, mm -hmm. I think universe wants us to be happy, you know, but then again, mm -hmm. it, it will also ask you multiple times, are you sure? And maybe yeah. it's asking in those very weird ways, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I've experienced that. Um, yeah, and it seems like there's, there's a level of, uh, for me anyways, and I've heard so many people say it, there's a level of like you have to kind of let go and not try too hard for it. Or I guess there's maybe like a, mm -hmm. I like agree. approaching it, you know, mm -hmm. peacefully and with like without expectation and then... Um, because I, f I found that like when I when I when I was able to kind of not expect certain things to happen, I couldn't you know I, I would be I wouldn't be able to be as disappointed mm -hmm. <laughs> or you know like or you know like just like evolving with with the circumstances and changing. Like I didn't think that I would be doing a a podcast about modular synthesis mm -hmm. you know five years ago, but mm -hmm. um, I'm glad it worked out that way. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of cool. Um, so you, you mentioned you were playing in bands. What was your instrument bef before modular? My voice. So I was... Okay, so I you were was, singing. Okay. Yes, I was singing and uh, that's it. <laughs> I was singing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we were we Did were you keep playing piano as just like a... Unfortunately not. I was also lazy and like, you know, not disciplined <laughs> enough. And so I, I, right now, sometimes I feel that I'm missing some like... Uh, for example, I could have been way more convenient, you know, playing also black keys instead of only like, you know, like, <laughs> sometimes I feel like, ah, oh, like, oh, I, I, I'm missing, like, I tried to recover, uh, 
last year I wanted to start a piano class. Actually, it's about six months and then you are way more convenient, you know. And mm -hmm. uh, But then Corona started and everything kind of waned a little bit. But I did order the special keyboard. I, was pre I prepared myself for that, so I'm still... Okay. I, I, I should still pursue that eventually. Just, I'm yeah. telling myself the same thing. I, I'm, I have I have a I have a piano behind me, but all I can really do is play like triad chords in A minor. <laughs> I know it's serious. Yeah, I mean, in the end, it's also the sensation. That's the most important part. If you actually hear the harmony, you know, if you feel that it's harmonious, and you you are able to provide harmonical transitions, and you know adequate mix, then I think that's the most important part, you know. Of course, mm -hmm. uh, key, Definitely. yeah, like, I mean, keyboard players who are, like, all their life practicing keyboards, of course, they are, like, mm -hmm. you know, that what I, th <laughs> this is what I'm calling to be a keyboard player. I'm not on that level, you know, but, yeah. but I'm on the level enough to be working with those tools and, you know, squeeze mm -hmm. out of them what I want, what I need, you know. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. That's one of the great things about doing electronic music is you don't need the technical proficiency. If you have a, a vision in your head, um, you know, you can find ways of carving that out, which is one of, I think, why I like it so much. Um, yeah. Yeah. My, since I've gotten into modular, though, my technical ability on guitar, I think, has has gone down a little bit. <laughs> that happens, yeah, that happens. Yeah. Automation is just, uh, you know, it's a very tempting thing, yeah. Right, then, right. <laughs> yeah, but then again, also, like, it's also not easy. You need to build up certain uh, world and you need to make sure that this world in harmony within each other, like, there is, like, let's mm -hmm. say your patch contains five voices and imagine you need to control those five voices and actually progress them throughout time and make sure all that is not peaking in a level or not so not no, too noisy or whatever. It's it's some other uh, workflow that your brain shifts into, I think. And mm -hmm. that's in electronic music and in the work it's in, with synthesizers. I think that's the key, actually, because you have those like hold. You can you know create a chord and <laughs> press the hold, but what you're gonna do with it later? It's right, it, right. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, and I think it's a cool way to scratch almost like a an intellectual or even philosophical side of your brain um, when it's not tied up in the physicality of playing. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to focus on your body making certain movements. Mm -hmm. You can just focus on the following the sound, and that's mm -hmm. I think that's what really appeals to me about it. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm curious. You, you, so you went to Germany first. Mm -hmm. That's the yes. first place you moved to. Like. Yes. Um, was that for school or for music or? Uh, actually, you know, just, it's again the history in action, you know, because the, yeah. the country where I came from was locked for 80 years. So the moment mm -hmm. we got into the European Union, almost all of my generation, all we all psh, somewhere, yeah, you know, <laughs> because we, we wanted to explore. We wanted to, you know, it, the little pond was not enough anymore. Besides that, the economical mm -hmm. uh, situation in the country was also sort of like, uh, pushing people into into searching jobs elsewhere, and there was also a crisis in 2008, the 2008, I remember, and the, that hit uh, countries. The, 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 that was newborn countries at the moment with a very unstable economics. So of course, the first crisis in the global scene hits those countries immediately, and that was the case why 
exactly in that time most of my friends just went somewhere and I also felt this I was doing a festival actually uh, every year in, in Latvia I was building a psychedelic trance scene for almost 10 years so I just w went to Germany I was uh, learning German and working and um, taking this money coming back to Latvia every year building a festival uh, you know going oh cool uh, yeah so I was investing back actually so that was my mm -hmm. musical activity at the time, and I was uh, DJing already quite, uh, all, quite a lot. And since through the festival, I started to invite other artists, and I started to build up like network of friends, and that would come over. And Psytrance scene is very uh, friendly and very open scene. You know, it's sort of like a neo hippie type uh -huh. of mentality. Yeah. You know, so it's uh, uh -huh. it it was easy to I mean easy like how easy is to build a festival, I guess, you know? But, but, <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, but from another hand, of course, people are super friendly, they're helping a lot, and you, you, you know, they become friends for life, you experience beautiful moments on the seashore, in the hidden forest, in a beautiful Baltic uh, shore that is, like, amazing, lo lo like, we had an amazing nope. location, you know? Were you, were you, have you been doing that since or doing similar things? Because I feel like, I've, I think I discovered you on Instagram somehow. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I've seen you post a lot of, you know, like festival stuff, mm -hmm. like playing shows at festivals, but almost like in a cool nature scene. Yes. Is, that the, is that what you're talking about? Yes. This is so-called trance scene or a Goa, Goa trance scene. Maybe you're familiar with this genre of music. And mainly all mm -hmm. those festivals are located in a very distant and very beautiful natural locations. Like that's kind of crucial for because people mm -hmm. are very nature orientated and they really want to have this contact with with uh, you know with with our mother earth basically mm -hmm. and so that's kind of like one of the um, uh, key points for psytrance festival like modem for instance that location in in a natural resort in a beautiful mountain lake uh, very very exclusive type of locations and this is like part of the like a how to say trade one of the trademarks of the goa trans scene I did my festival mm -hmm. for about 10 years on, on the seaside. Uh, it's called uh, Lepste in, in Latvia. It's uh, like a gulf. So it looks like the, the seaside looks like V uh, uh -huh. letter. And we were right in the middle. And uh, this place is uh, 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 when the ice age was gone, it left a lot of stones on the seaside. So the location is amazing. It's, it's warm and uh, you see the sunrise, you see the moon, you have the forest behind you the stony uh, seashore you know it's uh, like uh, heart melting and uh, yeah so that sounds awesome <laughs> and uh, i don't do the festival anymore uh, like it was almost uh, 10 years and uh, then i mm -hmm. i got pregnant and um uh, it, after that uh, i made one more time and then then it was already times changed and at some point i uh, I wasn't, didn't want to do that anymore. I started to learn music production, so I started to change my activity. And not to mention, I was already a parent full time. You know. Yeah, so, yeah. So, mm -hmm. Ten years is a great run, though. That's awesome. Yes, and like people, I'm like very happy to say that I shared some things with Latvian folks, and now I see them doing festivals themselves, and it's like they remember me, and if I go there, they every time, hey, where are you? Like you know, so it's kind of uh -huh. like, I guess my job is done in there in a certain uh -huh, degree. So. Yeah, that's great. 
<laughs> besides that, these these ten years they actually were even now they're super fruitful because even now with modulars like those people to whom I was like for ten years building festivals and partying in the forest. They also grew up and they also started to do something, you know, <laughs> and we are still like, hey, do you remember this and that? So it's like, it's kind of like, it, it, you know, in the end, everything sort of matters. Like, uh-huh. uh, yeah, mm-hmm, like, uh, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. So you like built a scene in Latvia and then said, okay, here it on and kind of passed it on. Pretty much, yes. That, that's what, that's that, so cool. Yeah, and uh, it's around 100 people. It's not like super big scene, but it also became international. Like we had also Lithuanian friends. Like Le- Lithuania is way more advanced. Latvia is a smaller country and there is way less of people. But for the Latvian measurement, it's I think it's not a bad um, result that I managed to pull through. And then, you know... With that few people, I mean, I feel like that would be like almost better because I could see a really strong sense of community forming mm-hmm. and having it be really intimate. Honestly, that's what I love about the modular thing. Yeah. On, honestly, like today, this like I was actually thinking about this today as well. Like uh, because all this uh, capitalism, socialism, all these uh, systems that don't work and stuff like that. And today, I was re- reflecting to these times when we were building the festival, and everybody were just. Building it just out of love, out of it. We just brought all the food together. We shared it together. You know, like all my stuff was all over the place. No one took anything. Everything was super safe. Like you don't know these people, but you feel like they don't even have an idea to damage anything. It was such a different level of interconnection mm-hmm. and uh, interaction with uh, between people. So like today I was sort of like thinking actually we were so happy we didn't need much couple of speakers and you know good, good music <laughs> and nature and fire and you know and I know man that sounds like so much fun especially now after not being able to do anything for so long like oh, that's, that sounds perfect <laughs> yeah like I really miss nature as well like here in Holland of course there's quite some lacking of that like comparing to what is in Latvia is like really wild. You know, we had we go to a festival and I see little foxes and their babies running, uh, uh-huh. or you see the fireflies and the butterflies in, at night, and you know it's warm. Yeah, it's such a uh, sensation. Uh, it's hard to get this this level of vibration in maybe in the city, but of course in the city there is some other uh, fun. You know, so it's like yeah, yeah. Yeah, me and my wife live in Seattle, but then we go to nature on the weekends because in Washington State, there's just so much beautiful stuff. Mm -hmm. And we like having a little bit of both. There's definitely something great in both. Um, I just saw pelicans last weekend and an Mm -hmm. owl and a big sea lion. Yeah, it was really cool. (laughs) We went to the ocean. but man, I'm just imagining like a festival in that environment. That sounds like so much fun. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> so how did you find your way to modular? Mm-hmm. Uh, again, through... I was DJing already quite actively and also uh, composing music. And somehow I DJ very hectic, very heavy stuff, but regarding uh-huh. composing, I'm like, oh, soft, and <laughs> you know, more ambient and kind of things like this. And so I wrote an album this uh, with uh, this lady uh, on on a f- f- from Peter uh, Grish. This uh, this lady, I can actually this one that you can see there, uh, the this one. 
Maybe oh, okay. This painting, uh -huh. like, so it's. Uh, Is that the backdrop on your website? Yes, exactly. The, the, this one. Okay. Yeah. So mm -hmm. this is uh, uh, two. The name of it is two. And then after that album, I was thinking, okay, how I got invites to perform this music, and then I thought, like, hey, I don't want to DJ that. That like it would be too boring to DJ ambient, uh -huh. you know. And so I thought, uh, I want to perform it. And how how do I actually perform? And then I started to research uh, what kind of gear I would need and like how do I create a setup and things like this. And also back in the days when Bitcoin was nothing, uh, a friend of mine sent me like, I don't know, 0, 0 0.5 Bitcoin just to, to, uh -huh. to check. And then suddenly this boom and I got suddenly 800 bucks from nowhere, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm going to buy Moog Mother 22. Like I, I started to, I, like I started to do search about the gear. And of course I pumped into the Erica performance of the Solar Rise. And I was mm -hmm. completely in love and with everything that I have heard. And I was like repeating this song every morning, you know, and like, it's really beautiful composition that she did. So my first choice was Moog Mother 22. And uh, then Quark drum machine came along, then the Bustle uh, grand Grandma, this uh, sampler player. And then, uh -huh. I then I started to combine also DJ decks to it. So I, I would take a, a snippet of, so I would just have a CD with my music and I would loop it. There is a, a like a loop, mo loop mode in there and you can assign how fast of it, the rate of it, or repetitions. So you can play some stuff with that, you know, you can... Mm -hmm. Or I would be taking a part of a song and just looping it on the background and then building up a composition with the grandma and basically improvising. Uh, Bustle, Castle I had at that time, very small uh -huh. pocket, uh, pocket uh, yeah. operators, you know cheapest uh, uh -huh. and the most affordable stuff uh, <laughs> you, you know in the beginning you uh, that's how i started too yeah pocket operators and the volkas and mm -hmm. <laughs> and then you want more of course you know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there you go and then, then it starts to roll out and things like this so basically technically first modular semi-modular unit that i had in my environment was mother 32 classical path of many people i guess and um from there, uh, yeah, uh, from there, it was also another funny story, uh, like, so at the time I was already, um, uh, my son was five years old, and uh, mm -hmm. Dutch government here, if you are a parent, they say, okay, you don't have to work, just to take care of your child until he's five years old, because at the time I was a single parent officially, so in Holland everything is very socialized, and it's really kind of like plays a role in overall and well, since when he got five they said okay it's time for you to search for work and at that time i was already like actively learning synthesis and soldering trying you know thinking through and then i got into i bought 10 plain pcbs from erica synth no just pcbs no any components they sent uh -huh. me and i'm like okay so let's go check the bol list and then they sent me the entire uh -huh box like this <laughs> with all the components in one go i'm like what's going on you know so so that was my entry point actually like soldering without knowing how to solder and like you know uh. doing without knowing what what you're doing but 
It was in a way also like I was also frustrated before the um, equipment and all the electricity and like I'm not a physicist, I'm not an uh, electronic engineer, especially now I'm more familiar with what's going on. But back in the days for me, it was a whoa. And yeah. uh, you can imagine that. Uh, and so I, I started to solder and through soldering, I, I was starting to feel more and more relaxed. I started to see all the circuits and all the connections. I started to logically think uh, what exactly is happening, like basically out of my own interest. And at some point, mm -hmm. uh, exactly in that time, the, the Dutch government said, okay, now for you, it's time to search for work. Maybe what do you think about that? And I was like, hey, do you know, guys, like actually I've been a DJ already for so many years. I know quite a bunch of people and I have quite a good network. And I came to this idea about creating modular cafe. At the beginning, I thought it would be like a cafe and we would add some synthesizer, live performance slash activity in there. And that was my first like business project for, to offer to them. And, you know, things like this can happen only in Holland. My, uh, my manager that was uh, managing my social status and stuff, he was a party head himself. He, he, oh, perfect. Imagine, <laughs> you know, if I would have met a completely different person who would have said this is all is nonsense and uh, who needs techno and, you know, why don't you go and do something serious? In his case, he was like, hey, I really love parties. Hey, wow, you're DJ. Do you know this moment when the DJ drops a beat? And we start to chat about all kind of stuff. And I feel so frustrated when my, my kids are on the party together with me and like, you know... <laughs> Suddenly this, uh, like, uh, hey, you must go to work conversation transforms into like, hey, do you know this party? Do you know this DJ? And blah, blah, blah. <laughs> It was really, really funny, you know? And That really worked out. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, you know, again, I would repeat it again. I think things like this can happen only in Holland because Holland is like, is a party place. And I was it, just thinking, I want to move to Holland. My, uh, my <gasps> step-grandfather's from Holland. Um, oh. And it's just not a pretty scene here in the United mm, States. Yeah, uh, I'm I really nervous that. about November. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I heard that. Yeah, like yeah, I don't know what bad. to say. Even honestly, yeah. it's you guys need to restart, uh, like a restart button. You know. Yeah, and, we do. Yeah, we do. <laughs> and then again, it's also very scary because, like, knowing, like, for us, for example, knowing that you guys allowed to have a gun. And imagine if there is triggering something like a revolution and they, where everybody have a gun. Like, I would have been very afraid, you know? Like, a uh, strange curve of this conversation. Maybe we shouldn't... <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, just my worries from, from the ocean. We all worry about yeah. you guys, you know? Like, yeah, uh, well... Yeah, well, we need, it. We, we need as much, uh, I don't know, thoughts and prayers or something. Oh, <laughs> some, yeah. Um, yeah. So... So you pitch this idea and mm -hmm. yeah. and he goes along with it and you're able to not you know, get help from the Dutch government or not exactly as such he was excited from that but he is not his position wasn't to say yes or no he sent me to the okay. special location the the Dutch have special uh, organizations called Eigenwerk Eigenwerk it means your own job if to translate it uh, directly and they you go there and they it's like exam, you know, there is five people and they say, okay, prove that your business concept is great and it's going to be successful. I think that point that I was kind of jumping from the idea of the cafe and since I was at some time of my life working as a bar bartender and like those things were also played role somehow. And the guy that mm -hmm. I was examining me, 
he said, okay, I give you a chance, like, go for it. They liked the idea about music, but they were also challenging me. They were saying, hey, we're in Holland. We have like tons of parties here. We have so many organizations. Why do you think we need another one? What is your difference mm -hmm. from all, the, all what we have? They were looking at me through a very different perspective than I was, you know, hey, this is a super idea, blossoming. And they were like challenging me. I mean, this probably was their job to, to be so. But it went through, like he, he, he listened to me. He asked me the last question was, uh, oh, what do you know about the, the Horeca section of your business? Which means to do the cafe and things like this. And I said, yeah, I was working here and there and blah, blah, blah. And he said, okay, okay you're in. That fact that I'm also not Dutch, like, could have also played a role. Although we are, Euro we are United Europe, so they were paying attention to me, you know. And I think I was the mm -hmm. only person in the group to whom they they were talking in English, because like it was mo mostly, it's it's this it's not very open. Uh, not many people also speak Dutch that well, I guess, to know that it exists or something, you know. <laughs> so that could have been also playing a thing. So he let me in, and it was a year of uh, learning and examination all the time. First months, they are testing you, and they give you all kind of homework, and you have to be very active. You have to, you know, really be... My At that time, my uh, role model was uh, Elon Musk. I was watching a lot of his stuff. <laughs> I was, like, uh, watching how he's behaving, how confident he is, you know? And every time we would have this group class, I'm just... Normally people are, oh, I don't want to, you know, they're shy, they don't want to go in the front of the public and speak out. And, and I was thinking, if I'm, gonna, if I'm not going to break this now, that means I will forever struggle with this. If I want to take this sort of, like responsible position that means i must train the skill to be able to speak out in front of people show them my idea and not to be afraid of that you know so mm -hmm. at that time this school was not only sort of like um paperwork uh, and you know and uh, it was also guidance from the government they teach you how to become entrepreneur they invest in you you know in your idea and also i i was also perceiving it as okay this is my training field so this is where I'm going to start to come out in front of everyone and, hey, check this synthesizer, you know, like, and stuff uh -huh. like this. <laughs> so, and kind of that was the year of actually like, you know, building the muscle in a way. And, uh -huh. mm -hmm, and that took around three exams. So first months they test you and if you go pass it through, then next phase and then again you pass it through and the last phase is when phase when they are actually confirming they say okay you are in and you're gonna get certain support from the government for your business because your idea uh, proves to be working yet again this confirmation came two years almost two years later before corona started they confirmed mm -hmm. to me they said okay so it took two years for them we were already functioning as a school you know when you're starting a business it's not that you are immediately you're also learning. You're also learning yeah. how to teach. You're also learning how people perceive you. You know, they are your uh, testing lab uh, rats, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and besides that, you also have to make sure that they're paying money <laughs> for, right, for you right. testing, <laughs> testing the whole thing on them. And But, uh, of course, in the beginning, we were, like, super cheap. And, you know, we're still not very expensive at all. Like, I, I have this policy that I, I want to make sure that people can afford this kind of education, you know? So 
At the beginning, uh, after uh, after going through all these uh, governmental procedures, uh, I, I accomplished whatever they asked from me, uh, all the paperwork, all the business explanations. And throughout that, I suddenly was like a, a school, you know? Like that is so cool. <laughs> basically, these managers that, that were like uh, guiding me through this uh, governmental procedure, process they were also they their job is also to challenge you all the time along the way and they were all the time they scanned the, the weak point and they like this pointing mm-hmm. ah your business how are you gonna how are you gonna find yourself clients for example do you know that the mm-hmm. other institutions out there all of them are technically your concurrents because there is only 24 hour in a day and one person mm-hmm. can dedicate himself to one thing only at the time so how mm-hmm. you know it's it's like a juggling uh, and how besides that they couldn't understand the topic at all like they were saying why don't you open a dj school like what's going on yeah. with all the synthesizers <laughs> we don't understand you know and so they were like, technically my first students where i was actually like okay let's distinguish between djing and actually performing live you know and then i started so they were like your training ground for how you're gonna Mm -hmm. that's so cool Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) prior to this did you have any uh education experience like being an educator or teaching or anything i did when i was a kid i was teaching my friends english uh, language uh, for example Uh when i was like 12 14, 15, uh, my friends, they were much older than me and they needed English and they asked me if I can teach them. Um, okay. Besides that, uh, no, not so much. Like, I mean, I was always quite active person and I guess also throughout the, the building the festival and like you communicate with a lot of people and you gain mm-hmm. a lot of experience and... My life also went uh, a little bit weird, uh, like not very in traditional way. Like uh, I was uh, young, uh, at 13 years old, uh, my mother was sick. I had to take care of her. And so it was very um, fruitful at the end. But the so basically, I guess I collected a lot of experience throughout all these mm-hmm. years, not necessarily related with teaching, but that was kind of like like a library which I could share with people because I was maybe going through certain situations, you know. Yeah. It sounds like everything leading up to it was really great preparation for this. And then having to, like you said, teach these people who are really in charge of telling you yes or no. Like, I imagine you picked up some skills there too, some tricks there. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I was also lucky. Like, uh, for instance, I, uh, Jacobo came along. Uh, Jack Frazia is, uh, is also my uh, one. He's part of the mod- Modular Moon. So after I uh, established that with, the, that with the government, I found the place. And also along the way, I met a guy called, his name is Nate. He's also living in Seattle, actually. Nate oh, Hulk really? is his name. Maybe he's also... Nate what? Nate Hook, H-O-U-K, Hook. Okay. Uh, I have to meet Nate. Yeah, so he was my angel investor in the beginning. He he also brought two, um, three one one zero four HP. So that would be this Dupfer case uh, full mm-hmm. of uh, modules and one more big case. And he just loaned it for two years for the school. And to oh, me, wow. he just... He was living in the Netherlands and then he came, had to come back to US, but then he wanted to come back to the Netherlands. 
So it was kind of like he trusted me. He said, "Okay, I can give it for some time, and uh, and and I know you have this project, and you will need it." So I was I was lucky also meeting right people who were supporting the whole vision. And Jacobo, for example, he he was teaching first year. He was mostly the main teacher, and I was also mm-hmm. learning from him. And then we started to su- to switch. Uh, he's teaching and me. And on the second year, I was already like going it through myself because he also has another job parallel to this. So so it was not so easy to him. And 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 not to mention, I I wanted to start to that's. I'm the main responsible person for the project, so of course I have to know what's going on. And so first year, mm-hmm. yeah, it was kind of configuring itself, and you know, beautiful angels on this planet were helping me, you know. <laughs> and so God, God bless them. And so that is so cool. Mm-hmm. That is a that is a hell of a story. Do you know Stein and Priscilla? Yes, from, I do. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, I figured you guys all knew each other. Mm-hmm. Are you in the same city? Yes, they live uh, in Amsterdam as well. Yes. Okay. Cool. I don't remember. Yeah, there's there's kind of there's a cool uh, cool modular scene out there, isn't there? There's quite a few people out there. That's quite interesting. People. First yeah. of all, I mean, Holland is overall is a party place, and Dutch people yeah. are very like we have Queen's Day, we have a lot of days throughout the year where there's like party all over the town. You know, you have all these illegal raves. So so it's very. How to say good soil for this kind of activity mm-hmm. here, you know. Mm-hmm. Modular, of course, is still relatively small-ish. I would say, like when when I entered the modular, I uh, immediately I realized that if I wanted to thrive, I would also need to be focused to building the scene, to be part of the scene and to build it. Actually, that means also. I mean, again, maybe it's this experience with organizing festivals was also talking, and then so so I thought, hey, mm-hmm. we have to make parties, you know, we have to. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it's in your blood. <laughs> yeah, so like, uh, and uh, Jacobo was also Jacobo is uh, you know techno head, party head, and he's working for the mm-hmm. company that is like providing services for all the ev- events. So of course we were like, oh, we have to do something on that uh, sense, and uh, it started to grow. I mean, it was already relatively cool like we had Colin Benders and he was doing this uh, uh, what's it called uh, in Utrecht they had uh, uh, Kalt uh, I, I, I don't I, for, I forgot I apologize but <laughs> so they were busy at the time like so it was like blossoming uh, here and there and when I came along of course I, I was also fresh uh, you know and at, at that moment I was also kind of like oh who are these people who are, who are that people you know so yeah, like uh, I think it's still in the process of uh, progress, because mm-hmm. we, like even relatively like in, among music producers, of course it's known, and you know in Psytrance scene a lot of producers are using modulars to record their stuff, but it's not very common to see people actually performing with modular because psych- psychedelic trance music is is complex music, it's super multi layered, the changes every four four bars. So it's it's a lot uh, uh, to actually, so to say, uh, put it on two hands, to, you know, in real time, you know. <laughs> uh-huh. so, so they were not thinking that way. And when I came, I was like, no, I want to come to that point where I can be able to play psychedelic trance just with a modular, without using any laptop or... At this point, uh, technically, I think I would still need some, maybe something like a tracker or like now I got this OP1, so I'm kind of like trying to configure the right 
amount of gear which I can still be able to travel with, you know, <laughs> because uh-huh, it's uh-huh. like it's already, you know, you have to be mobile and s- still to to find the, this right configuration. Like I came close with techno, with minimal techno. Like I, I can, you know. Like in Czech Republic, I was playing for about four hours through without repeating the theme. And so uh-huh. it's basi- basically it's a question of like uh, routing the, the signal, you know, thinking through and, you know, being also psychologically comfortable to to do changes yeah. uh, through. So it's... And modular is really hard to do that, especially for an extended period of time, you know, like you... You really for every every ten minutes you want to add to your 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 uh, your set. I feel like you need to add four or five modules. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yes, mm-hmm. in fact, I'm actually I want to show you this. Um, oh, I am I'm working on my travel synth. I'm going to Yellowstone National Park mm-hmm. in uh, a week and a half, um, and I got this battery. A battery plugs into this polyend. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. anywhere so i can mm-hmm. only power a little bit of modules mm-hmm. so I'm, i've been trying to figure out the exact right setup mm-hmm. to bring so i can do some cool performances out there um so cool so back to the school thing mm-hmm. um like how, how many students do you have and, and what's the age range do you do you have mm-hmm. a specific age range that you try to focus on or is it for everybody or well, students, uh, like, for instance, they roll in uh, into the class. We have, I, I made for myself just maximum of five people at this point. Mm-hmm. So uh, because of the setup of the program and we also provide individual system where they can already start to learn. So, you know, at this point we have capacity for five people and it was also very personal education and this contact is very important because I also I open up a lot of from my personal world basically. So, so for now, like every cycle five for me is a limit. But then again, we have a Jacobo on board, so we are also we're opening to do parallel groups and things like this. So then again, also for instance, the book. Uh, that was now sent out, like it's almost 200 uh, sales at this point. So they are uh, are automatically becoming students because I also developed a thing called platform, like it's actually developing at the moment. So that will be related to the book because uh, it is again, Corona makes you, you know, uh, another lesson of being an entrepreneur is to be flexible and to react at the yeah. moment of time, you know, and not to be not to be afraid of those changes, but actually jump from the moment where you are right now and uh, like valuing your, your current power, you know, valuing how far you can go with it and actually val- valuing your own energy because, you know, in your mind you want a lot, but uh, physically mm-hmm. what you can do, it's another mm-hmm. uh, question. Yeah. So, being realistic is very important. So uh, so right now we're shifting to uh, uh, also uh, sort of like a virtual uh, educational uh, process, uh, which is related to the book. And it's it's in the progress right now. So it's um, I will highlight about it at some point when it will be more uh, more ready. And uh, also parallel to that, there is intakes of people sometimes writing, hey, I want express class, can I roll in through the network? Sure thing. So, it, you know, like in physical reality, I stick to five students. Now we have a five roll in for, from September. 
so and we're good you know if, if there's gonna be another group parallel to that uh, it's free to open but that would be already Yakovo responsibility and things like this you know me myself I can pull through five people for six months and I'm <laughs> fine you know yeah like and are the is this is this for adults or for children or for anyone or uh, 13 plus I would say okay um, youngest we had 18 so far uh, yeah yeah and uh, yeah I think younger than 13 this might not hold hold the kids yeah, attention unless yeah. they were really into it if they were really mm -hmm. into it they'd probably you know be great but um, and know, I don't know I Mm -hmm. I prefer to work with adults. I also make uh, jokes and adult jokes and I, and yeah. I swear sometimes, you know, and yeah. things like this. So for me, 18, 21, better, you know? And yeah, yeah. Children is a very different category of interaction and I'm not ready for that. I have my child, you know, um, my son, and that's a lot. And uh, hopefully maybe we will have a child. So we're also thinking about that. But I cannot call myself a person who would have like volunteered to work in the school for yeah. you know <laughs> yeah. so yeah so before we we are we're approaching an hour here and I, oh, I know cool. it's late um and I want to take up too much more of your time but I mm. do want to definitely get to the book mm -hmm. so now was the book something you were working on before coronavirus or was that something that you you did in reaction to coronavirus mm -hmm. The book was a, a part of the plan, so because mm -hmm. uh, I, as a school, uh, I knew that at some point I would need some material to provide people with. First, we did the program uh, at the beginning, and at some point we were like, "This is not enough." And and then I, and from another hand, I also thought it would be also easier for me to teach. Also, when there is some kind of a like very solid structure, we like a like a sequence that you can pull people through and it's really thought through and it it uh, um, takes uh, topics that are crucial so that are super extreme necessary so we are not like uh, walking around the, the team from one topic to another we actually have some structure to go through that was number one priority and then another thing of course I think uh, as a respectful I am aiming to to be a respectful educational facility eventually. Like eventually I want to, to grow until serious engineering education because right now it's already a lot, but we can go even deeper from that. We can include deeper electronic engineering. We can include programming. We can include industrial design. It, it, it is actual education uh, of high level education. And it, it can happen, you know, uh, potentially. Right now we crystallized, okay, uh, from zero to uh, expert level in Eurorack as a musician, as an artist. So we are focusing more like, okay, we are actually teaching the sound artistry and how you can use this particular environment for your own art, for your own self-expression. Mm -hmm. But... In my mind, it can grow even beyond all that and actually become a very serious uh, engineering, uh, you know, robotic even uh, education. I'm not necessarily having those skills myself, but as an organizer, I can for sure attract individuals who can provide those topics to people. So in, in a bigger scale, in 
like how I would love to see it in the perfect world. That would be the, the, the goal. So of course the book and your own learning material, your own unique program is crucial to have. Mm -hmm. So, and then this idea crystallized and we started, uh, I invited my friend Pete Johnston, who is my Pakarana teacher, is a good friend of mine, uh, to help mm -hmm. me with that. And uh, at the beginning we thought, oh, maybe one, two articles, and then it suddenly started to grow and to the book. And, <laughs> and how about this idea? How about that idea? How about timeline? And along the, the process, I was also testing that on students. So I said to, stu to the students, I said openly, hey, check this out, guys. We're doing this book. I'm going to teach you with this book and you will give me the feedback. What you didn't understand, what we missed, you know. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, mm -hmm. that makes a lot of sense. And they were like, sure. And so, uh, so, and eventually I've got this, we, we managed to kind of like crystallize the necessary point, the necessary beginning point. Because like, uh, if you see the article uh, VCO, then they would be like, oh, connect the triangle waveform to the output. You hear this and that, this is amount of harmonics. But you can go way beyond, you know, all that. Like, mm -hmm. so the book is like this kind of like starting point with super cru crucial things that you need to know and understand. And from there, you can already expand, you know, your knowledge to... Sometimes you need to show the door and the people open this door, you know? So <laughs> balance between this idea uh, also to bringing them to that door so they would understand how to unlock the key, the, 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 the lock, uh -huh. you know? <laughs> and beha beyond that door, they will already have their own history, their own story, you know, whatever the, they, the, maybe some people, you know, Eurek is absolutely meditative tool. It's not necessarily that everyone have ambition to be, you know, far performer, yeah. or whatever, you know? <laughs> some people meditate, other people, I had a student, he was recalling his, he had a um, physical, um, uh, some problem with health or some, and then for him mm -hmm. to go to Eric was kind of to work with his own memory and to actually bring it all. He's a musician himself, and he was like, "Hey, I have this like physical condition, and can you help me to restore myself back?" You know, it could be anything potentially. Like, can can be meditative practice. Not to mention, you are also all the time. Your your brain is like a muscle. Like all those uh, synapses, they need to work. And this is mm -hmm. a great tool to stimulate the brain, you know. So I see it in this variety of forms, you know, that, it, that, that, that this practice can offer to people. And yeah, I forgot the beginning of this question. <laughs> I, went, <laughs> I went so far, I, went, I forgot the beginning of the question. What was the question? <laughs> uh, I was just I was asking about the book. Um, yes. Yeah, um, oh. and just how how like it came to be and everything. So yeah. it was part of the original plan. Yes, that you, was that part of the proposal too when you were trying to get the approval through the government. And oh stuff? yes, yes, the book and also the application. Actually, the the application idea was also like it's all was written on on paper, and I showed them, hey, this is what we're gonna do in two years of time, and so I was already kind of planning this ahead. And then I spoke to Pete and he said yes and we started to work and uh, throughout time, you know, I thought, oh, it's going to be a couple of months, no problem. And then your life is also in between, you know, there is a gig to play and two days you recover or things like this, you know. So it took longer, longer time and then Corona hit. And this actually maybe from another hand was beneficial to the whole thing because then I was at home 
everybody are at home and we're like, okay, then let's push on this project right now. We have plenty of time. So we're, so we're not go, going crazy from all the, this uh, little apocalypses. So, okay, let's, let's put our attention to something fruitful. We have a right, uh, we have a, in Russia, we have a poet, uh, he's uh, Pushkin, he's maybe you heard, Alexander Pushkin. And during his mm -hmm. times, there was also pandemics in that time, you know, and they were also quarantined and sitting. And then there was a quote, uh, Pushkin throughout quarantine wrote uh, this, this and that a poem and this, you know, uh -huh. and then I saw uh -huh. that and I'm like, I get it. <laughs> I get the, I get yeah, the yeah. you know, like, I get the message. <laughs> and we started to work on that. And my brother also uh, was uh, uh, my brother in Riga. And he said, hey, do you need uh, any help with printing? And I can arrange for you. And he was also sort of like, uh, like uh, pushing forward because he okay okay we need to print it so he was pushing us we were a little bit like stuck at some point you know you, you it's not so easy to write a book at some moment you oh know. no i was gonna say that seems like a <laughs> massive undertaking <laughs> yes and this, your mind starts at some point you you change something and then you remember that this what you change is related to something that you wrote before you know and it's uh -huh. like uh, it's it's a task and uh, and i bet on top of that, I also did design in the wrong software. I used the Mac, um, it's called Pages, and I didn't know that it's all for digital. And it, uh, then the designer said, hey, I, we cannot print this because it's going to be blurry and things like this. You know? Oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah, so there was a, another struggle to go through. So they had to rebuild everything and they don't know patches, they don't know anything. So I had to check every patch if they're correct and, they, you know. So it's oh my uh, gosh. double double work. Uh, yeah, so. I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah, getting an editor for the for a, a book about modular, like not just any editor is gonna speak the language of modular synthesis. <laughs> yes, honestly, I was wow. also a little bit like uh, ignorant myself. Like I was using uh, Adobe InDesign uh, years ago, and uh, I tried to get a subscription, but it, somehow they, they don't accept PayPal and all this Visa thing. Like for example, we don't use Visa in Holland. In Holland, they don't support Visa card. So I, I thought like, okay, like, like in design doesn't work. So I will try this uh, pages on Mac. I assume that this software is related to, should provide me with these tools to, to print oh, it. Oh no. And it's, Man, yeah. that's, yeah. Well, hopefully somebody out there, if somebody out there listening is just starting a book and they're doing it in pages, maybe you just saved them a lot of trouble. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> or maybe I didn't do some research better that's also possible <laughs> yeah that was that was a little milestone or how, how to say like at the end it was a bit of but anyway eventually we pulled it through my brother took care about the printing part and then they sent everything to the netherlands and uh, there the sales part started and i'm not a mm -hmm. salesman and i hate yeah. the whole thing you know yeah yeah so that was another struggle and uh, you know I managed eventually, yeah, like, uh, I, at some point I, I came back home, like, you know, when you said the book is 1.2 kilo each book, and when you have 10 orders, I don't have a car, I don't own a car, in, in Holland it's not uh -huh. necessary to ha have a car, and like, I, mm -hmm. I live in the center, so I don't use the car so much, so I had to do on my feet. Uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> came, but I, I, I hope people will have a... Uh, 
Anyway, I came back home a couple of times, bruised from my side like this. I was psychotic. I was crazy. I was like yelling at Pete. I was Amos was also seeing me very stressed, you know, because I was just tired physically. And then I yeah. And then at some point uh, I gave up and I said, okay, uh, I will hire hire a person who is going to take care of that. Now we have some sales. <laughs> now we may can pay someone a little bit some salary. So. I gave uh-huh. up and now I feel much better <laughs> after that. Oh, good, know? good. <laughs> so where can people find this book? Yes, pe- pe- people finding, yeah, like, uh, I, and also, sorry, what was the question? Oh, where can people find this oh, where book? Can, like, can, people, can you buy it? Uh, could we buy it here in the States? Um, it's mainly at this point only through Modular Moon, through, through the page of the project. Uh, you just, mm-hmm. uh, there is a form and you just, you know, like normal, put it into the basket and go through the, all the stuff and then, then you get Very it. Very cool. So, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, I'll put a link to that in the show description for anyone listening who, who wants to check it out. Um, well, we're, we're at an hour, and I know it's late there, but we haven't even talked about, um, as it, I want to make sure I'm pronouncing it right, Tulpa and Dusha? Mm-hmm. Yes. Is that right? Yes, it's correct, yes. Okay, like, you're, like that's how I got to know you, is through, mm-hmm. through your kind of two different monikers that kind mm-hmm. of go together. Um, do you want to talk about that briefly before we, before we uh, wrap things up here? Thanks for asking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just realized, like, man, we're an hour in and we haven't even talked about her music yet. <laughs> oh, thank you. It's very sweet. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, basically, Tulpa is mainly more dancing uh, orientation because Tulpa is my DJ nickname for years and people know me in this genre. And so mainly techno, minimal techno, dark, progressive, psychedelic, trance, everything related to night, dance, trance, fun. And then mm-hmm. the Dusha is mainly ambience, like I love to sing as well, you know, so it's song-ish kind of uh, journeys, which I want. These days I work conceptually on the albums and I like to do some sort of like a journey pulling through, you know, so I'm kind of like... My greatest example in music creation in that sense uh, is Ishkyu. Maybe you've ever heard this name. Uh, it's one of the best ambience uh, artists. And, you know, it's this kind of music when you listen to it and it's like cinematic, you have like journey in front of you. So that would be my reference artist uh, in ambience world. I guess this is also kind of uh, direction where, where, I'm, where I'm exploring my, my musical artistry and in a way this calm type of vibration is also... I like to be calm, you know, like, I guess <laughs> I, this, in this hectic world, world, we always search for the yeah. peace, you know, and uh, so for me, music is this, mm, music is very emotional, it's an emotion tool, you know, of course it can, it, it, it activates you, your, uh, like, in the movies, we see if it's something scary, and then, the, you know, and you're like, oh, well, something is happening, you know, so... So music can be like so many different things, like, uh, but it, yet it still triggers this emotional spectrum of us. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a process uh, of uh, un, unleashing, 
unleashing, unveil, yeah. <laughs> unveiling your your uh, uh-huh. your experiences. Like some of the albums I wrote was just like uh, my heartbreak, you know. Like I, I met mm-hmm. a person, there was something happening, and it was completely reflected in the song. And and some of them are quite depressive. And then at some point, I I, I was noticing that after creating a song, I felt like liberated, you know, like this emotion that was overtaking me was expressed and then I could sort of like let it go and, you know, you know, so it is a therapeutic uh, form as well. I see it that way at least. So mm-hmm. I try to achieve that in music as well, like regarding dancing music, I, I want to come to that level when, you know, dancing party and people are happy and like funky, I love this funky twist, like uh, like uh-huh. uh, names like Krumelur or Clement, maybe you know this artist is from Psytrance scene. Krumelur and Clement, uh, they okay. they would be my my reference uh, or Hellquist, for example. They are more like dark uh, techno-ish uh, twist, a bit like a jazzy and funky, and uh, with a lot of. Um, humor in that sometimes you hear uh-huh. very strange samples in there and you would laugh you know and so like uh-huh. <laughs> for example and then dusha would be complete opposite more like calm and like you know more like night time you know super deep dream when you are diving into it and it can be spooky and scary sometimes and maybe even even sad or 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 happy you know so like that Mm -hmm. that would be my way of expressing myself musically okay well that's cool that you have the two outlets so you can kind of like choose which one you want to to work on depending on your mood um does either one use more modular than the other or is it the same setup could you do a, a tulpa and a dusha set from the same setup or would you have to tune it for one or the other actually i can do from the same setup like the only difference is like uh my goal was to build this universal kind of uh oh we're from universal system that is mobile and uh, right now i added a couple of new elements so basically i can do both like ambience and that's cool or more techno orientated so yeah that's that takes possible. some time to to hone in on a a system that kind of can serve you with all your needs. I'm st- I still feel like I'm I'm working on it. And that's one of the reasons I like this smaller setup that I just showed you mm-hmm. is I'm having a hard time building the first like the the perfect setup that's mm-hmm. this small, but I am determined to make it work because I know if I can if I can make 104 HP work mm-hmm. through you for you. Mm-hmm. Um then I then I'll you know what could I do with six U after that you know like you mm-hmm. could uh, you know really I don't know, I feel like the if you start smaller you can you can learn much quicker. Yes, I agree, and also I advise you know less is more also, and my advice is always explore your voices. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people, they buy Move Mother Thirty Two, and then then comes out uh, subharmonicon, they drop off Mother 32 by subharmonicon, then uh-huh. next things come off, they drop it off. Don't drop it off, you know? They all are different. They all are unique. Yeah. Learn them by heart. And you can create so much from Mother 32 only, you know? 
I don't say don't buy uh, super modicum, but just, I say, you know, right, right. I say just uh, like I see the tendency. Just yeah, don't like don't give up one. so quick, you know. <laughs> I see this tendency in the industry mm-hmm. to kind of a uh, uh, new thing comes, ah, oh, grab new thing and dropping the, the other and like, like don't hurry, like that, that, that explore your voices, you know, how far you can go with them, how far you can progress, mm-hmm. how confident you are with those voices. You know, if you will send some modulation, what it will do with the voice? How can you use it throughout time? Maybe don't don't show all your cards immediately, you know, like I say. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's one of the hard, especially with modular, there's, there seems to be, I mean, I'm, the the old, uh, what do they call it, gas gear acquisition syndrome. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, there's like this collector's mentality. And I'm, I was guilty of it when I first got into it. It's just like, because there's so much cool stuff, you just <laughs> want it all. Uh-huh. And, um. And something I, I do uh, online lessons sometimes, mm-hmm. um, and something I really stress to my students is I, I say this is advice that I didn't take myself, but I wish mm-hmm. I would have taken is, is start simple and mm-hmm. get to know the stuff that you want, mm-hmm. um, and get to know the stuff that you have before you, mm-hmm. you know, because you're you're gonna you're gonna lose money on a lot potentially a lot of money um, if you constantly buying and selling at a loss. So. And also, like, I mean, it's also, if you buy gear, you don't buy furniture to stand it in the corner. You buy, it wants to live, uh, you yeah, know? Right, so right. play it. And if you don't play uh-huh. it, give it to a friend. Life is short. We all die eventually. There's nothing uh-huh. to hold on to. Just, you know, time. This is the most precious, what we have is this time, you know, this moment. And now, mm-hmm. like... I'm also that kind of person for me, like the moment there's so much gear, my mind starts to wander around. Like, where do I start? Like, oh, I like this one and that, you know? Mm-hmm. So Yeah, I had, I, you can't see it because it's right above my computer, mm-hmm. but I have, um, what is it? Let's see, six, two, I have a 15U. 120 oh. HP case. So it's enormous. <laughs> um, and I love it. It's gorgeous. And I love when it's totally loaded up. But what I noticed is I, uh, I get overwhelmed sometimes. It's, yeah. it, I have to work up to it. And I think what I've been doing is just kind of build smaller subsystems and kind of focus here. Okay, that's one piece. And then I can focus over here. But when you ha- yeah, and even switching from a, like I was using a 7U um, until I started doing this battery-powered stuff and coming down to this 4U that I was showing you, mm-hmm. like I feel even like, oh, wow, I, I feel like I'm almost doing cooler. St- I feel like I can do cooler stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, it can't be too small, but there's like a, there's kind of a point where if it starts getting bigger, I get mm-hmm. a little too overwhelmed. So, I noticed it's so probably related to the focus of uh, like a focus span. I think our mind uh, mm-hmm. has uh, our yeah. brain has certain limits to, on the focus, and like I what I've noticed at least from myself, like the moment I have so much gear around, my mind starts to to travel from place to place, and the moment I'm like focused into the one box, so to say, then I'm like super effective in there and I'm way more playful. I mean, Eurorack is such an open t- and it's infinity, you know, like you can change uh, one cable and things change. You add one more uh-huh. unit yeah. and the whole configuration changes and all the uh, possible, um, you know, patching uh, signal routing forms immediately expand. So, Every time you add something, things change, you know? My recipe on that sense was also to focus, keep instruments only that you love, you know, that like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, like this is... That's, that's very important, yeah. yeah. And, and, and make sure you, you know that you love them because yeah. you might, 
if you don't get them, you don't know that you don't love them. Yeah. You know, that's, <laughs> that's true. You know, I've, I've, I've seen people and I'm guilty of that. I've gotten rid of something mm-hmm. and, uh, and been like, Oh, I should have kept that after I kind of learned more. I'm like, oh, I should have kept that. That's true. But this is another thing. You also, it's also like you're like, you kinda, it can be a brat at some point. You're, it's your investment. You know, some people invest, mm-hmm. they buy houses and stuff like that. Like yeah. we yeah. buy Mojo Wars. Yeah, hopefully one day I can trade it for a house or something. You, know, uh, you never know. You know, like uh, yeah. some units there, like you imagine, like there's synthesizers that today, they like they, when, when, when people were dropping off analog machines years ago, mm-hmm. they were costing nothing. And today it mm-hmm. can be 30,000 for 50,000, you know? So yeah. you never yeah. know. Like a, yeah, if you have a really nice old Buchla or something. For example. So, yeah. And what will happen in 30, 50 years? So nobody knows. Right? I know. That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, maybe this is my retirement plan. Um. <laughs> I've been thinking about that too, yeah. <laughs> With the school, I was thinking, yeah, it's time to be serious, actually. You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, um, man, we've covered a lot of ground. And uh, I don't want to keep you too much longer because I know it's late over there. But... Um, you want your patch challenge words? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, so I, I generated, um, I have a little patch challenge generator here. Ah, uh, wow. And it, it gave me a weightless spark. Weightless spark. Let me write it down. Weightless spark. Oh, I, I can totally hear it already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that'll be cool. That's super. Um, yes. Well, um, Anna, thank you so much for your time. Um, is there anything that we haven't covered or something that you want to scream from the modular mountaintops before we uh, sign off? Oh, I think we, I think we had quite, uh, quite a lot, actually, today. <laughs> yeah. you know, thank you so much for uh, reaching me out and inviting me and for this conversation. Absolutely. It's super interesting. Yeah. And I would love to visit Seattle. Nate was telling me, hey, we have a super cool scene here. And I was... The scene is awesome. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and if, if once this is all over, mm-hmm. yeah, um, we have really cool concert nights. Modular Seattle mm-hmm. is a really great organization. Our store here, Patchworks, is really oh. cool. And we're close enough to Portland where you could go, like, they're kind of like our sister scene. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of cool people. We, we kind of go back and forth. Um, oh great yeah yeah, yeah you, man i feel like you could come over here and do a whole tour and, oh, and love you know, to. just go go to Asheville and end up in seattle oh that would be awesome yeah that i was supposed <laughs> to go to Asheville this year yeah we were planning uh amos uh, invited me and uh, but yeah it went the way it went now so uh, i know well hopefully the world will be normal someday yeah <laughs> i believe so yeah i am optimistic about it you know like i also see that you know there is already some vaccinations and they they do steps and here in holland it's mm-hmm. almost like normal life like uh, honestly really mm-hmm, like but uh, yeah You're luckily lucky. we, yeah like luckily you Dutch, don't have a crazy you don't have a crazy dictator for a leader right now <laughs> uh, that, yes that's a big luck it's, that indeed it, it's so embarrassing it's, I'm so embarrassed by it. Well, you know, but. yeah, but from another hand, maybe it's also like a lacmus paper, you know? Maybe it also indicates like everything that guys, you guys were denying throughout all these years that was just collecting, mm-hmm. collecting, collecting, collecting. And then someone came like this who reflects all this that wasn't processed. You know, so I totally agree. I, that, I think yeah. I think you're spot on. I mm-hmm. think you're spot on with that. Um, but let's end on a happy note. Where can yes. people find your music? 
they can find uh, at tulpadusha.org. So I have my mm -hmm. website and actually there all the links to Bandcamp are is all there. And yeah, Instagram, I also do occasionally those videos. Uh, these days a bit less because of the running around and all the organizational stuff. But uh, pretty much Instagram, Facebook, you know, okay. website. Cool. Bandcamp, classical, <laughs> typical stuff. <laughs> and then the book is at? Modularmoon.com. So okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Let's check out Anna's Weightless Spark.
Alright, thank you for that patch, Anna, and thank you for coming on the show. Don't forget to check out Tulpa, Dusha, and Modular Mood. Links to all of those things in the show description. Um, I want to say thank you to Needham Woodworks, the finest Eurorack cases in the land. Visit them at NeedhamWoodworks.com. Patchwork Seattle, P-A-T-C-H-W-E-R-K-S.com. Um, also, After Later Audio, those three new modules are so, so good. The, uh, the tilt, the blend, and the steps, they are absolute essentials as far as I'm concerned. Um, get your synth booth tickets. It's coming up next weekend. Um, also, send me your patch challenges. What does your weightless spark sound like? I'm hoping to do a patch challenge slash new music submission episode uh, either next week or the following. So send them to me on the Discord server or through email at podmodcast at gmail.com. Uh, wave and AIFF files only, please. No MP3 files need apply. Um, and then finally, please check out my new EP called Remote Washington. It is on selfcenterrecords.bandcamp.com and I'm just going to end this episode on the uh, the Olympic Peninsula track that I did uh, a little bit ago. It's on the new EP. I hope you enjoy it. <laughs>